And Lord, we come reverently before you, Lord. We acknowledge you here in this place, Lord. And we bow before you, Lord. And we thank you, God, for making a way, a living way, new and living way, Lord. You've given us access to this holy God that dwells in unapproachable light. Yet you've made a way, Lord. Lord, reveal yourself. Open up your word to us, Lord. Anyone here that is not living in that hope that you are provided through Jesus Christ, bring them into that living hope, Lord. Open their hearts, open their minds to who you are, Lord. As your people, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to the, a greater depth, a greater reality of who you are, Lord. Cause faith to be stirred, Lord, in our hearts this morning, in everyone here, in everyone listening, Lord. I thank you, God, you're speaking to your church, to your people, Lord. Give us ears to hear you this morning. Use this vessel of clay to speak your word, Lord. Anoint it. Let it accomplish what you desire it to accomplish today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. And I think uh, the title, if you want into titles... Is God getting your attention? Is God getting your attention? And then I have in a little subtitle, It's Time to Believe. It's Time to Believe. I'm going to start reading verse 7 in Exodus 3. The Lord said, and he's speaking here to Moses, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them. And I just want to say this morning to all of you, God has come down. He's heard the cry. He has seen everything. He knows everything. Wherever anybody is at, here or listening, whether you're groaning, whether you're under a trial, whether you're oppressed because of the, the, the spirit of this world, the darkness that permeates this world, the curse that the world lives under, Whatever it might be, circumstances of life, God sees, he hears, and he knows. And he has come down to deliver you. He has come down to deliver you. You need to know that. But guess what? <laughs> he uses people to do that. And we're going to look at a man 
that he used to deliver his people. Okay? So starting here in verse 1, we have Moses. It says, He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock back to the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So just a little backdrop. This is 40 years, actually 80 years later, from the time Moses was born in Egypt, where God saw, he heard, he knew, and he put faith in Moses' mother when the Pharaoh of Egypt was killing all the firstborn. He put faith in her to take this baby Moses and put him in a bulrush, like a little tiny ark made of uh, wicker, whatever they had back there, <laughs> um, put it in the river, and the Pharaoh's daughter found it. And uh, his family raised him for three months, and he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And he, he was learned in all the Egyptian way. He became a prince. Uh, he was in the palace of Egypt for 40 years. But then he recognized his own people, the Hebrews, and he tried to take matters into his own hands and murdered an Egyptian that he saw um, attacking one of the Hebrew people, Hebrew slaves of that time. And then a day later, he sees two of the Hebrews fighting, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? We shouldn't be fighting one another. They said, oh, what, are you going to kill us? Like you killed that Egyptian yesterday. And he got scared and he fled. So 40 years in Egypt, then he goes to Midian and he's there 40 years. And life has gotten good. He settled down. He escaped Egypt. And I would think after 40 years, he got comfortable. And he's out there and he's tending fleas. Sheep, he's got a family, right? Life is good. I'm safe. Praise the Lord. My family's safe. Praise the Lord. But God had other plans. God's going to get his attention. Watchman Nee said this. You see, God had something for Moses to do. But Watchman Nee said this, no one is equipped to work simply because he's learned some teachings. The basic question is, what kind of a man is he? The basic lesson we must learn is to be transformed into a vessel fit for the master's use. And you know what? God took 80 years. 80 to prepare this vessel for this moment. And he still had to prepare him. He's still not done with him. So in verse 2, we see an angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looks, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And we see fire is indicative of deity, especially Back then, it was just a way um, God would reveal himself. But even the pagans saw fire as an expression of deity. So God reveals himself to, in this fire in 
a bush, a desert bush that's probably dry, that should just burn up. But it doesn't, and it's a picture of God's people that are in the fire, they're in a trial, they're in bondage, but yet they're not burnt up. Why? Because God's in the fire. God's in your fire. And even though you might be a dry, brittle bush that should just burn up and there's just no way you should make it through that fire, God is in the fire with you, just like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were thrown into that fiery furnace, there was a fourth one in there with them. And they didn't burn up. They didn't even have smoke smell on their clothes. And that angel of the Lord, we need to understand who it really was. You understand angel just means messenger. But he's spoken of in Exodus 23, this angel, as one in whom is God's name. One who has, pardoned, who has power to pardon sin. He's therefore the same as the word that was in the beginning. He's the same as the word that was made flesh. He's Jesus. And Jesus is revealed many times in the Old Testament. So Moses says now, because obviously this is a peculiar thing, uh, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush does not burn. Now, our brother Justin shared a message Friday night, wonderful message, and, and it was really out of that that I sensed, Lord, this is what you're speaking to us, and God laid this on my heart many ways confirmed it, but the whole thing is really God saying to us, do you believe me? Do you trust me? I have things for you to do. Quit looking at yourself. Quit looking at the circumstances. You need to understand who I am and that really I'm the one that's going to do what I've called you to do. I just want you to trust me and do what I told you to do. And it really is, like I said Friday night, he is wanting us as his people to step up, to come to another level in our faith. And that comes through fire, it comes through trial, but it also comes through revelation, okay? And, and so we're going to see, it's very important. When God is getting our attention, whatever he is doing in your life right now, it's him, he's getting your attention. But you have to do like Moses, you have to turn aside, Turn aside and see what it is that is getting your attention. And it's God, and he has things he wants to say to you, just like he wanted to say things to Moses. Now, I want you to think about your life, all of you. And I know I can look at my life, and I can see God's hand. I can see how God pursued me. My whole life, even without me understanding it, all of you here, every single one of you, whether you know the Lord or not, God knows you. He has been pursuing you from the moment you were born. He actually saw you in your mother's womb. And he is about saving 
souls. So he works behind the scenes. He uses people. He uses circumstances to try to get our attention. The key is turning aside and hearing what he has to say. That's where most people miss it. My prayer is today you will hear what he is saying to you. You'll listen. You'll learn to turn aside more so he could speak to you the things he needs to speak to you. So I remember when he got my attention, and for me it was basically, follow me. I had been struggling, I had been in bondage for years, hopeless, under the bondage of Egypt. And Egypt, we understand, is a representation of this world. This world is under the dominion of sin and Satan, the prince of the power of the air. This world is under the curse. Jesus frees us from the curse. Even though we who are saved still have to live here, we're freed from that curse. We should be able to walk above. He has given us all things to deliver us from the lust of this world. He calls us out. That's what saints means, called out ones. We're called out of this world. He delivers us, just like God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land. Now, we're not in the promised land yet. We're still journeying, but it's coming. Jose's there, man. He's, he's enjoying it. <laughs> I'm so happy for him. This Rose's dad, he just passed a couple of days ago. He's dancing on the streets of gold. Praise the Lord. But I remember that. He got, boy, did he get my attention. I'm, I'm the type I need like a two by four across the head. So he had to let some serious circumstances in my life over and over and over again. And it wasn't until he got me out of Kentucky, I mean New York, and brought me to Kentucky that I finally listened. And he, he basically said to me what he was saying to me all along. I just couldn't hear him. Follow me. Forsake everything. Walk away from your life in this world and follow me. Because that's what it means to be my disciple. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but I knew it was him. I knew he was speaking to me. And I knew I needed to make a choice. And he made it very clear to me who he was. He unveiled the cross to me. He helped me to understand who he is, who I am, my need for me, for him, and that he was for me. He actually wasn't against me. And when I understood that, it was a no-brainer. And when I understood the pathway I was on, it was a no-brainer. I was on the pathway that leads to death, and I was in the church. And there's many in that condition, in the church. So we need to listen. So God saw that he turned aside. I think about Jesus when he says, when you pray, go into your closet, and your father who sees in secret. I mean, this wasn't in secret necessarily, but he was alone, and he went he turned aside, and God saw that. God sees. He sees it right now. If right now in your heart, you're like turning. You're like, all right, let, 
God, are you real? God, speak to me. Turn to him in your heart right now. You could do that right now inside. God, I need to know. Are you real? Speak to me. He saw and God called to him from the midst of the bush. And this is the part I love. And he said, Moses, Moses. I, I can't help it. Uh, the movie has ruined it for me. Or I hear, you know, Charlton Heston, when the movie in Ten Commandments, I hear that voice, Moses, Moses. I don't know who they got to do that voice, but someone that I guess was trying to sound like, I guess, how God should sound. I don't know. But I picture it in a more endearing term. Moses, Moses. I know that's how he called me. He doesn't just say his name once. He says it twice. He wants them to make sure. I know you, Moses. I know you by name. He knows you by name. When You know, God doesn't see us in a crowd. I don't know all of you intimately. I mean, I know most of you. I know most of your names and all that. Think about God. He knows every person on the planet's name. Right now, and he's very intricately involved about every single aspect of their life. Okay, now think about that a little bit. I see some smoke. <laughs> yeah, that's who our God is. He's beyond human thought, but he is able to do that. So you're not some random thought. He knows you. He knows you by name. And when you turn aside, he calls you by name. You need to know that. You're not just an accident. You're not just here by accident. There's a God who created us. And he knows you. He loves you. He's not out to take and somehow ruin your life. He's trying to save you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to give you what your heart, your soul needs. And Moses said, here I am. Here I am. And we'll see as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And like I said, that's an effectual call when the Spirit of God calls us by name. It's very, very personal. And as I was studying this, I had the young people, the kids here in this church in mind. Kids, he calls you by name. He, listen to him. You know, he, he called uh, young Samuel, he was a little boy, and, and he's called many, many young children by name. And so you're not too young. God knows you. He's calling. He's got a purpose for your life. He'll even tell you now what that purpose is. Be open. I think kids can hear him better than we can. They're just more simple. They, they haven't got smart like us. Except for the teenagers, maybe. They're real smart. Right? They know everything. Boy, do I remember those days. I didn't know anything. <laughs> Now I really don't know anything. The more you get to know him, it's just true. So, this is important now, verse 5. He says, 
hold it, hold it. Don't draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. That is telling us something about God. And I couldn't help but think about it as we were worshiping and as we gather in his name. And how many times, sometimes it becomes a circus. And it's just so flippantly we can make church when we don't understand like who it is we're meeting with. And that's not to say there's not times of dancing and singing and joy. That's part of it. But there should always be a reverence, an understanding of who it is we're coming into his presence. Just something inside. It's a knowing. It's, it's a respect that he deserved that I think we've lost in many ways in the modern church. He's my buddy. You know, I can just come in swaggerly to church and unprepared, you know, and just walk in. Hey, God, I'm here. What do you got for me? You know, thank, thank God he's so lowly and he humbles himself and he comes anyway and, and still speaks to us and still condescends to us. He's very merciful and he's doing that with Moses. He's trying to help him. You know, and so to put off the sandals, it's just an act of reverence. You know, he's holy. We must regard him as holy. And we, we see pictures of this in scripture and it's God showing us that we do need to understand who he is. I mean, in, in Leviticus 10, uh, we see where this phrase comes from, I must be regarded as holy. It's when Aaron's sons went into his presence and they didn't do everything right. And it's because they were drinking. They were intoxicated and they got sloppy in the Lord's presence. And this is what happened. It says, then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it. They offered profane fire before the Lord. It wasn't proper, which had not, he had not commanded them. So listen, so that same fire that didn't consume some now goes out from the Lord and it devoured them and they, they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. So we have a responsibility before the world, before others, before our brothers and sisters to honor him. Because when we don't, we bring him down and we make him something he's not. And thankfully, you know, fire doesn't come out. If it, if it did, there'd be a lot of deaths in here. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God we got a covering and we don't burn up. I, I liken God to this. He's a furnace and I'm a speck of dust. Take a, a speck of dust and throw it in a furnace. But yet, I don't burn up. And it's only because of Jesus. That's it. So James said this in verse 6. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. 
but cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double mind. Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Amen. So come humbly before God. Again, we've been given access into the throne room of God. That's what a new and living way is. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He's given us access to this holy God that we could not approach. There's nothing that could cover us. There's nothing that could protect us from his holy fire. But yet the righteousness of Christ helps us to stand in his presence. Wow. So we come boldly, confidently, because of Jesus. It's the only reason. So verse 6 now, he says, he reveals himself. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look upon God. So again, there's this holy reverence for God. And, and I want to say to you what I said earlier. God wants you to understand who you are coming to. He wants you to understand that. I am the one true God. I am the creator. I am the one who's called you out as a people to glorify my name in the earth. And he's speaking to you today. I've called you out. You're to glorify me. You're to proclaim me to the world. We need a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. You cannot exist on someone else's revelation. You can't exist on my revelation. I can share with you what he's made real to me, but it will not be real to you unless you own it for yourself. Unless you turn aside. Unless you cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, draw near to God in humility. And listen and let him reveal himself to you. That's why I, I was reading about a ministry, a big ministry, international ministry, the leader, we find out, has been in sin for years, supposedly. They're still investigating. But so many people have fallen away from the faith. Why? Because their faith was in a man. And men are imperfect. How many people leave a church because they didn't like this, they didn't like that, or someone did this. Guess what? The church is full of imperfect people. Guess what? I will never do everything right. My wife will tell you. I might say something the wrong way. I might come off a certain way. Right? The New York thing don't help. What's he so mad at? I'm not mad. Sometimes I am, but most of the time I'm not. <laughs> Praise God. But uh, I want to sing the song we sang earlier because this is what God wants. Behold our God. He wants you to behold him for yourself. Behold your God who has held the oceans in his hands, who's numbered every grain of sand. Kings and nations tremble at his voice.
Just remember, God uses Moses to bring down the, the mightiest kingdom of that day. Egypt was like, I guess, America, well, maybe for now, brought it down to his knees. Kings, nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold your God seated on the throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our king. Nothing can compare to him. Who's given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all of his wondrous deeds? Behold your God. But yet, yet, this God who has felt the nails upon his hands. This is the amazing thing of the cross. The enormity, the magnitude of God, the awesomeness of God, the holiness of God. But yet this God comes in the form of humanity and takes nails, is beaten, is bruised, takes our sin upon himself, humbles himself lower than anybody and dies a death that we should have died but was raised again the third day as we were singing today, praise the Lord, proving he was God. Behold your God. Bearing all the guilt of sinful man, God eternal, humble to the grave. Jesus, Savior, now to reign. Hallelujah, he's alive. And that's why he's speaking to you today. He's alive. He's real. His word is living. It's spirit. Open your heart to him. We need our own encounter with God. And God wants that for you today. And you will. Open your heart to him. Don't harden your heart. All the vessels God uses, again, are imperfect. So don't, and we're going to see that now. Okay? So it says, after this encounter, he hid his face, he was afraid. And then the Lord said, and I read this verse already, I've surely seen. I've seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. So he sees. There's some here. You're in what the children of Israel were in back then. You're still in Egypt. You're under a hard taskmaster of life. There, there's not much joy. Life is hard. Uh, things have ensnared you. Maybe you're struggling with depression, hopelessness, maybe even suicide. You're oppressed. You feel it. It's just there. You can't even explain it. But God sees. He hears your groanings in the middle of the night. Even if it's not in words, he hears the deep groanings of your heart. He sees. He knows. That's the groaning of creation talked about in Romans 8. He sees. He knows. And like I've been saying, Jesus was the ultimate answer to that cry. Moses was just a type. Jesus was the ultimate answer to that cry. Because he sees, he hears, he knows. 
There's only one way to save my people. At that time, it was Moses. But really, Moses was pointing to one greater, Jesus. And he knows our sorrows. He's acquainted with it. It tells us that in Isaiah 53, 3. It says about Jesus, he is despised, rejected of man. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. He knows. That's why he became a man. Hebrews expresses that in Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 2. That's why he sympathizes with sinners. He understands what we go through. He was a man, although God. Therefore, he's able to aid us in our suffering. You ever hear once someone will say, no one understands what I'm going through. And a lot of, sometimes that's true. And I've learned, I learned it hard one time with some lady. <laughs> I said, I understand. No, you don't. I don't understand what it's like to have a husband doing, I'm a guy. <laughs> she let me have it. And I had to repent in dust and ashes. You're right, I don't understand. But Jesus does. If anyone knows what it's like to be rejected, he does. And he loved perfectly. Have you? And they still spit on him. They still reject him. They still said all kinds of things about him. And he just kept loving and loving and loving and loving. See, there's no one like him. He is wonderful. That's who our God is. I've seen. We're going to have a time today uh, to respond to this wonderful God. Please don't resist him. He's here for you. He wants to deliver you today. He does. Because God says in verse 8, I've come down to deliver him. But wait a minute. We're going to find out. <laughs> Verse in, he says, therefore I'm sending you. Wait, what? I thought, you, you're coming down. What do you mean, me? That's what we're like. I've come down to deliver them. Out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me. I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. You to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. People... Just because we're in the lifeboat, it doesn't mean there ain't people still in the water drowning. Can you hear them crying in the water? Help me. Do you hear the groanings? God does. But he wants you to pull him into the boat. He uses people to do that. He uses parents for their children. He uses friends for their friends and neighbors. He uses people for their coworkers. They're drowning. They're going to die if we don't pull them into the lifeboat of Jesus. 
Don't get like Moses. Oh, I'm good. Oh, my family here? Good. We're all in the boat? Good. Oh, sorry. Do you hear him? God does. Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, verse 11, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? It's not about who you are. It's about who he is. <clears throat> and I'm not going to go through it, but we go on this journey that like Justin took us on with Gideon. Back and forth. I mean, God's doing miracles. He turns his hand leprous. He sticks it in. It comes out. It's clean again. Over and over. Show, make, show me it's real. Show me you're real. Prove it to me. And God's doing all his tricks for him. Miracles. And then finally, we get to verse 10. And Moses said, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. So the Lord said, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the, the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with you, and I'll teach you what you should say. Now, Stephen, in the book of Acts that we looked at, Stephen said, wait a minute. He said, Moses was mighty in word, indeed. What's up with that? Well, there's three possibilities there. There's a possibility he did have some kind of speech impediment. But I think more possibly, let's remember, he was in Egypt 40 years, didn't speak Hebrew. Then he was in Midian. They had a mixture. It wasn't the pure Hebrew. So maybe he wasn't comfortable in the Hebrew. I don't know what it was, but you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> we want to get hung up on that. It doesn't matter. The work had nothing to do with eloquence or ineloquence. It was not to be measured, determined by personal gifts. The moment, therefore, that he had turned his individual talents, Moses, the moment he began to look at himself, he lost sight of the great end which he was called to accomplish. He got his eyes on himself. He's not looking at God. He's not beholding God. So then he says, and man, do we do this. Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Now, some comments say he's talking about Jesus. I don't know about that. Um, but whatever. doesn't matter. Again, send someone else. And so I'm going to share a little story. Uh, Rose has a cousin who's dying. And uh, she's been burdened and praying for him. And she said to me one day, you need to call him and share the gospel with him. And I'm like, inside I'm thinking, I don't feel led. I don't know the guy. I'm going to just call him out of the blue. Whatever. So I said, you call him. <laughs> and she did. And she did. But we're like that, you know. Pastor, pray. And I do. I pray for you guys. Have you, though? Have you fasted for that situation? Pastor, I'm having an issue with so-and-so. Did you talk to him? No. Well, go talk to him. What do you want me to do? Send someone else. 
So she got on the phone, and, and it turns out we have friends that live in the same complex. It's in South Carolina, uh, Tom and Lynn Blanchardo. And the Lord worked it all out. And, and Lynn's a, a retired nurse, and Tom's totally evangelistic. And so they're going over there. God knew who to send. He wasn't sending me. He had something for her to do. And she did it, and God blessed it. Yeah. I could have called him, and he'd been like, who are you? <laughs> what do you mean I need Jesus? No, that's not how God's going to do it for him, obviously. And he doesn't need me to save that guy. I found that out with Jose. He didn't need me. I always thought in my mind, we're going to lead him to the Lord. It didn't happen that way. Now, this is important um, because he wants to use this whole body. If, if you're connected to this body, you're a member of this body, there's no sidelines in the body of Christ. I don't care if you're a toe. There are no sidelines. No one sits on the bench and gets splinters. God's called us all to participate. I don't care how or what, but he, he has something for you to do. He has an anointing for your life. He has giftings he wants to impart to you, and he wants you to do it, not somebody else. I see it sometimes when we pray, and I'll ask for prayer, and the same two or three people will pray. And I'm always like, no one else can pray? Why, why not? Well, they're gonna, I know so-and-so will pray or whatever. And so we stay quiet. Maybe, maybe you're the one that's really going to pray it through, but you're not me. Who am I? If I'm not opening my mouth. You hear that guy pray? I'm not saying nothing. Man. You know, because of this, God said, fine. Your brother Aaron, he speaks well. Go get him. You know, Aaron became a hindrance to Moses. He's the one that caused the people to, to make the calf because Aaron was full of fear of man. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're causing a hindrance in how God wants to use you. So you need to step up. Amen. You need to step up. And it says the anger of the Lord was kindled. That's not good. The anger of the Lord, we read a couple of times in the Old Testament, was kindled and thousands of people died. Again, it just shows who we're dealing with. Like, I don't want the anger of the Lord kindled against me. It means his displeasure when we don't believe him, when we're not obedient. And he said, is not Aaron your Levite, your brother? I know he can speak well. And look, he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad. So I'm just going to finish with this, okay? God is calling us to a walk of faith has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with God and the people he wants to send you to. Nothing to do with you. Listen, Moses, who am I? When he said, who am I? He's nobody. He's a vessel God chose. And we're all chosen ones. We're all chosen by God. When you give your life to Christ, you become a vessel but we're told, you make your vessel fit for the master's use. And that's why it says, depart from iniquity. 
Come out of the world. Draw near to God. Humble yourself. Cleanse yourself. Let my, my work and what I have for you manifest itself through your life. Because your vessel, it's mine to do with what I want to do with it. I have a purpose for you. Whether it's raising your kids, whether it's um, praying, whether it's teaching Sunday school, whether it's, you know, worship, wh whatever it is. He's got a purpose for you. And it's to strive together as a body for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of souls. And I'll keep saying, there is no other reason for us to be here. We're not to kick back by the mountain tending our sheep safely while people, people are dying around us. American Christianity, sorry to say, a lot of times teaches us that. Let's just go to church. Let's just have the good life. And yeah, we got God and my family's good. And yeah, the rest of the world, all those people. Well, you know, God, yeah, help them, Lord. You know, we walk by them in the street. We're just like the, the, the religious people, Jesus, and Levite, the, the, the example he gave us of the Good Samaritan. We see it all day. Maybe even we hear it. We get burdened maybe a little here and there, but we do nothing about it because uh, I'm, that's not my calling. I'm, uh, I'm not going. Uh, the pastor will do it or so-and-so's doing it. You know, I, I'm not doing it. Who am I? To walk of faith. Moses' life from beginning to end was a walk of faith, and we see that in Hebrews 11, 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. They were afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. By faith, he forsook his life in Egypt. It's again, it's a picture of the world. And he had it all. He was up there. He was in the palace. He had everything. And what does it say? He saw the reproach of Christ. He understood. To follow this God. It means suffering. Because my people are suffering. It means I'm entering into their suffering. But yet, I see the suffering better than all the riches of Egypt. He obviously had a sight of something. And it was really the eternal. That's the only way you can do that. Now again, I don't, it's not like I'm bashing the American church, but it just, the gospel has gotten so watered down. A lot of the times, the way the gospel is presented is, God's just going to make your life better. So we, we, we want to help people see the blessing. And if they see the blessing of following Christ, maybe they'll come down and pray that sinner's prayer. But we don't even do that. We just tell them to welcome Jesus into their life. No, Moses saw. This means a cross for me. This means death. This means suffering. But you know what? It's worth it. It's better than all the riches of Egypt because that's going to fade away. I have an eternal reward. And only God can make that real to you. And my prayer is he will make it more and more real to, to you so you'll joyfully suffer the loss of all things in your life and joyfully give your life for his sake and come out of this world.
with all of its allurements and attractions come out of her, my people. Her destruction is near. And, he, you know, there's a warning there in Revelation chapter 18. Come out of her lest you share in her judgment. Come out of her. So, by faith, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches, and then the treasures in Egypt, because he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Hallelujah. We have been given great and precious promises. He's given us authority to go in his name to deliver those who are in bondage. The church. Verse 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. It's by faith they even entered into the promised land. It's by faith we enter. Well, I'm not Moses. <laughs> I'm not Moses. I'm just Christian. I'm just David. I'm just Rose. I'm just Michael. I'm just Frank, Brenda, Ken. I'm not Moses. What do you want from me, God? Who are you? You're Christian. And just like he called Moses, he says, Christian, Christian, I got your attention? You listening to what I got to say for you? I want to use your life to rescue others. It doesn't have to be a whole nation. How about one? Can we start with one? I want you to pray through for someone. I want you to fast for someone that's in bondage. You think you can do that for one person? Deny yourself? Believe God for them that are still in bondage, that are practically uh, taken captive by the devil? Are you willing to suffer for them? That's what Jesus did for us. That's all he's asking. Get out of your heads. It's some grandiose thing. Most of the time, it's just letting him use our lives however he wants to and stepping out in faith and doing what he tells us to do. But you have to turn aside for that. Someone said to me, the other day, and he's a man of God, he preaches the word, but I totally disagreed with what he said. And he was talking about the church on the whole, and he says, oh, you know, everyone's not called. I was sharing our vision with him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And, you know, he's basically saying, like, these are just church people. You know, not, not everyone's called to that. And that is just not true. 
We are all, Paul says, striving together, all of us, for the gospel. And that's all that is. We're all to participate in that, whatever that looks like. He's called me to be a pastor. He hasn't called, are all pastors? Paul says, no. Some serve tables. It's all different ways God uses us. Just be open. And really becoming a Christian is from going from self-focus to other focus, self-love to God's love. Christianity is not about settling down. We're sojourners. We're passing through here. So I'll finish with verse 7. I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. God sees Meadowview. He sees across the street. He sees next door. He sees the counseling center. He sees the places we go and our workplaces. He sees the whole world and he groans. He hears the groans, the cries. He knows and he wants us to go. He wants us to go to them and share the love of Christ. I guess we can have an okay life and maybe make it to heaven. I don't know. But all I know is I want to be able to present something to God. I want to see people in heaven that, that I don't even know say thank you. We were thinking about that with Jose. I know he's going to give her the biggest hug because Jesus is going to probably say or has said, do you know how many years Rose prayed for you? Welcome, Jose. And all the other people. Don't you want to meet someone and say, man, that day, you, you don't even know what you did. But God used that, and I'm here because of you. Lord, you have to make this real to us. You have to, Lord. We get so dulled by our lives in this world. We lose sight, Lord. But Lord, you're trying to get our attention. You're trying, you've been trying to get us to come aside so you can reveal your heart, Lord, so that you can show us the people, the things you would have us to do, Lord, to help pull others out of the water. So God, I pray you would draw us this morning, Lord, those that know you, Lord. Awaken us to the reality of that, Lord. I pray, God, we're believing this year, God, many are gonna step into more of what you would have them to do, whatever that is. We gotta get out of our heads, ministry. It's just being Jesus, just allowing you to work through us, Lord. It might be to one person, Lord, whatever it is, Lord. Help us to be open, Lord. We want to hear you like Moses did. We don't want to doubt you. We don't want to question you, Lord. You did a miracle through you. rescued a whole people through him, Lord. What can you do with how many we have in this room? Well, you could turn this county upside down. And we're believing you for that. So as we close today, I'm going to open it up for anyone here today 
any kind of bondage, any kind of oppression, any kind of difficulty, you know you're still in Egypt. You're still in Egypt. God has sent someone today to bring you out. I'm just a vessel. I'm nobody. But God gave me this word. And he had in mind some people that are still bound in Egypt. And I want to tell you this morning, there's one greater than Moses here. And his name is Jesus. And he's already made a way for you. And it's a lot easier than what the children of Israel had to go through. You really just need to repent. Just like the children of Israel who were in Egypt, who gave themselves over to idols, who were worshiping other gods, they were not serving the one true God. So you have to repent. You have to understand. You are lost if you have not repented of your sins, if you have not given your life, forsaken your life, and, and, and carried your own cross and, and have determined to follow Christ the rest of your life. You can't have the world and God. It means a forsaking. It means I am now a follower of Christ. What he says goes. I surrender my life to you. Without surrender, there's no... Um, promises that go with the cross and the message of the cross. You have to surrender. Faith is about surrender and trust in what God has said. And God says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful, I'm just, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Only he can do that. And then I will come and put my spirit in you. And make you alive. And give you that living hope we talked about earlier. So if any are here this morning, you want to come up for prayer. God is speaking to you. You know that's you. Anyone online. God is calling you. He, he's giving you a sign this morning. He's trying to get your attention. You need to just slip out and you need to come to the altar. And say, Lord, here I am. Now he knows your name. If he's calling you, you need to respond. Let's all stand. Anybody. You're coming to God. You're not coming to a preacher. You're not coming to a church. You're coming to God. He's been trying to get your attention. You cannot keep putting him off. He just wants to reveal himself to you. He just wants to have mercy on you, but you have to respond. You have to acknowledge. You have to be like that publican and, and beat your breath, say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I know I'm a sinner, but God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. If you come to him like that, you will leave here justified today. So please, anybody, anyone online, Anyone online, just get on your knees. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.